From racing.com and top sport, this is a good three with Dr. Turf, Matt Welsh and Paul Tatnall. Well, hello and welcome to a good three. And you look good, three. We've had to enact the health and safety protocols this week. So we're both online and we've also got a new look lineup. Turfy's busy in Marrakesh. I can confirm he's managed to locate some dog racing over there. I can't confirm, however, whether he's found a decent set. So hopefully he doesn't uh, completely cop a strip out over there. Paul's in COVID isolation, so he's out. Let's bring in our producer off the bench, Roger Aldridge. Rog, welcome to the show. This is just shades of under-18 footy, Matty. Uh, I had to wait for everyone to get injured to be able to get a run. Um, hopefully, I don't get injured at the same time. But, look, it's good to be joining you. I, I don't know what the, um, the currency of Marrakesh is. I, To be honest, I failed year 12 geography. I don't even know where Marrakesh <laughs> is. But uh, I don't know what the currency is. But if there's a way to rot it, we'll find it. He'll find it, and I can't wait for the stories when he comes back. We're going to need a three-hour episode next week, I reckon, with uh, with Turfy's tales. But a man who would know exactly where Marrakesh is, he's an extremely well-travelled, worldly figure, great footballer turned horse owner, nearly a Group 1 horse owner, could well be a Group 1 horse owner, surely. But I speak of Joe Watson. Joe, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Um, I think Marrakesh is in uh, Northern Africa from from my uh, brief knowledge, but um, I could be wrong. Rog, where would you have had a stab at? Uh, I would have thought South America. Is it a country or a city? I don't, I don't even know. I think it's a city, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I could I could be well off the mark. We'll save it for the geography podcast, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll stick to we'll stick to horse racing, Matty. I think. But uh, Joe, as Matt mentioned, you you maybe we're on track to be a Group One winner. You part own Anavisto. You're up at Eagle Farm on the weekend. Just take us through the day and uh, the nerves. Was it like uh, about to run out in a game of footy? Well, it was far more nerve wracking than that. Um, I went up there with uh, one of the fellow owners, Tom Bell Chambers, and. Uh, we were very, very excited. And uh, first time at Eagle Farm, it's a, a beautiful little track uh, there, and, and nice and close to to the airport. And we're sort of wandering around in, in mid twenties uh, degrees, thinking life was pretty good, and uh, got very excited and, and was really uh, very nervous before the the race, and uh, was um, pretty disappointed afterwards. But learning the highs and lows of horse racing, I guess. Tom Bell Chambers uh, got married a couple of weeks ago to uh, the actress Olympia Valance. How did he sell to her that uh, he could snag the tax tiara as part of the honeymoon? <laughs> it's a good question because we, we we were having this discussion, um, you know, a couple of days before we were booking the flights, and in the end, he just said, "Look, I'm I'm better off asking for forgiveness than permission," and uh, and that was what he decided to do. And they've got a uh, they've got a honeymoon coming up, so. Um, they were, uh, I, I think he's going to make up for it uh, when they head off to Europe. Joe, there's some terrific vision of you celebrating and celebrating bloody hard Anna Visto's win at Flemington a few starts back. How does the thrill of winning a horse race, particularly at racing headquarters, compare to winning a game of footy? Well, I think it's it probably exceeds it, to be honest, because... Um, 
you know, with, with footy, you had control over the results. Uh, and with, with horse racing, you are at the mercy of what, what the horse wants to do. And, uh, and I think when, when you give up control like that, then the, uh, the celebrations or the, the high of winning is a lot more. Um, and, uh, and that's what I found is uh, same with, with the nervousness. You know, like I didn't ever really get nervous before playing, but I'm incredibly nervous before, uh, before the races. And, um, uh, and I guess you just, uh, when you hand up any form of control, then you're just sitting there like, like everyone else. That's a question that we can only ask you, Joe, as a former player, because uh, the current Essendon players don't actually know what it's like to win football. They only know what it's like to win races. So. Uh, you're twisting the knife now, Roger. <laughs> yes. But anyway, what what is the plan now for uh, for Anavisto uh, moving forward? I no doubt you would have been in touch with uh, the Price Kent stable, and uh, I, I doubt you would have given you two cents worth. But uh, what, what are they thinking for Anavisto moving forward? Funnily enough, um, Mick doesn't ask me for my opinion on what. The- <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Uh, look, it was obviously it's quite out of character for her. She's she's been very sort of consistent with with um, sort of effort, and then uh, the, uh, Rachel King got off on the weekend. Just said she sort of felt flat. So um, I guess uh, the plan is to 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 get her ready for the back end of spring, um, and and all going well. Uh, like the, I think that the Empire Rose is a is obviously a, a really um, high grade Group One, um, and we, you know, we'd love to be able to, to win one with her. So I think she'll have a, a shorter campaign, but um, culminating in, in perhaps that on uh, Derby Day. So you've obviously got a really good horse here in Anavisto. The Joe Watson ownership story was it straight to the top? Is is this your first investment into racing, or have, like most of us, you had a few knocks along the way? No, we have. We, we've had a few knocks on the way, and. Uh, the ownership group, um, the syndicate that we're in with uh, Tommy and uh, Carl Hooker, we had um, some um, not great experiences, and, and uh, but it, it led us to this uh, to this ownership, and um, and that was the relationship with Michael Kent Jr. We had a horse with his dad, and and that's how I met um, Michael Kent Jr. And then uh, we've been able to to have this sort of uh, great ride so far with, with Ana Vista. So very fortunate, but we, we've had the uh, the other end of the stick as well. When you've got to move a horse on, Joe, did, does it give you a greater appreciation for the job of a list manager? Um, and, and do you sit them down in a, in a meeting and just say, look, I really appreciate your efforts here, but uh, I think it's time that you look for opportunities elsewhere? <laughs> I think uh, list, list managers are probably a little bit more careful in what that, what language they use. They, they're probably you could be a bit more blunt with a with a racing manager, but the list managers in footy clubs they're probably a little bit more. We really like you. We just can't quite fit you into the uh, the team at the moment, and and someone else really likes you, so we're going to give you the opportunity to go elsewhere. But uh, Look, it is it is a business still, and um, and you understand that. But uh, you know what I've been uh, really enjoying has been meeting so many people who are so uh, invested and love the horses so much, and and um, and that's been the real thrill of, for me is is seeing how how well the the horses are cared for, and I've taken uh, my kids down to, to to see her do track work a couple of times, and and you see, uh, you know, how hard the strappers work, and, and how much they are invested in the welfare of the horses. So, it's been a it's been a really um, enjoyable part of the the process. Joe, is racing something you've had a passion for throughout your life, or is it something you've picked up post footy? Where does your racing journey begin? 
Well, it's probably from my grandfather. Um, he he told me a, a story once when he was an SP for on the on the race course, and uh, he didn't have enough money to pay out the bets, so he had to walk home to Coburg from Flemington, and uh, and that was. Um, I guess uh, he decided that that was the end of his bookmaking career, and um, and that was the introduction I got from him. So um, I had a, a Caulfield membership for a long time, and I used to go um, back uh, when I was younger. And then um, I've always sort of loved loved the horses, but uh, I actually really enjoying the the ownership part of it, and um, and and watching and learning more about the the bloodstock sales and things like that. And and I, I think it's. You know, it's been it's a fantastic industry to get involved in, and it's also uh, when you have a look at what they're they're doing now with um, you know prize money and and the opportunities that are in horse racing, um, it, it it is I think it's standing out to the rest of the world of, of how well run the industry is here in Australia. With your grandfather, as you say, the old saying, "Walk a mile in their shoes." Well, uh, he he uh, now knows what it's like to be a punter. And, uh, and leave the track with no coin to get a taxi home. So uh, good on him. And uh, hopefully, it, you know, he, he bounced back the next week, as we like to do when we're on the punt. Uh, in terms of, like you say, you clearly love your horses. You go to track work. So uh, were you ever part of the social set? I, I, I can't remember seeing you prancing around the birdcage back in the day when, um, were, you, were you in that set or were you very much about the horses and not the, uh, not the free cocktails? Yeah, no, I've got I've got no interest in uh, in that sort of part of it. Um, but I, I guess uh, my partner, she she um, she's from Holland, so she hasn't really uh, had a lot of experience with the the horse racing um, scene and and the spring carnival. But hopefully, if we've got a uh, a runner on on Derby Day this year, and and with the, the restrictions being uh, eased, we'll be able to to get out there and and she can sort of experience the the racing carnival and what it is. Um, but uh, I'd prefer to just stay stay at the the the, the stalls and, and and watch them uh, watch them saddle up the horses. See that, Matt, genuine man of the people. That's what we need in racing. These footballers who are just all about the the midday champagne and cocktails. But no, Joe Watson, a man of the people. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, Joe, quickly, I imagine with the success of Ana Vista, you guys have probably got your tail up a little bit. The absolute tried and true method following that would be to reinvest and reinvest heavily. Have you bought a few more horses on the back of her success? Uh, yeah, well, we're learning how uh, how good salesmen are that the trainers are. So we're um, we actually we just uh, got involved in in, in another one um, with the, the Kent and Price Stable and. Uh, He's just, uh, uh, I think he's in, he's in quarantine at the moment and then he'll go up to the spelling paddock um, for about six weeks or so. So uh, unnamed as yet, but uh, we have, um, we've reinvested as um, I'm sure all, all the trainers will be happy to do with, with their clients. So in quarantine, he's obviously an international purchase. Yes, yeah, yeah um, bought from the Breeze Upstart sales uh, in France. So um, uh, exciting. Um, sort of a Northern Hemisphere two-year-old, but uh, unraced. So this is really sophisticated purchasing. This isn't just looking at an ad in uh, Best Bets and grabbing a share in a syndication. Have you, did you study the breeze up? What did you like about this horse? Well, it's sort of similar um, to the Anavisto trial. Like I think that, um, you know, we got really lucky buying a horse. At least you can see them trial and run um, and, and you get a little bit more, 
uh, I guess, uh, comfort that there is some talent there rather than, than walking around a parade ring. So, and, and with the prices that they are here in Australia at the moment, it's, um, it's difficult to, to compete. Um, so this was a similar, I guess, um, methodology to, to what happened with the Anavisto and, and it, it served us well. Rog, we're seeing the, the difference in where Joe and I are at here. He's buying horses off trials in France. I bought a 45-start, one-winner winning horse uh, that was formerly with Bryce Stanaway off a Tatura trial recently. So I think that sums up where we're at. I think you need to take advantage of the uh, nosediving Euro uh, like Joe is, is clearly doing. But uh, head over to France, get one of those. This is real Lloyd Williams type areas, Joe. Like going overseas... Sourcing one that you might be able to come out, maybe target what a two-year-old, isn't it? Northern Hemisphere two-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, what are we thinking Guinea? So we 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 just going straight to the top here. Uh, well, I've got. I'm not sure what the the plan will be. I think it will depend on on how well uh, he adjusts and, and comes in. But um, no, I just uh, I get told what to do and I follow the uh, follow the lead. Did you watch any of the Royal Ascot coverage a couple of weeks back? Do you have dreams of potentially taking a horse onto the world stage? Oh, I, I saw the replays. I didn't stay up for any of the, the races, um, but uh, certainly saw saw the replays. And and, and I think that, um, I mean, that would be, uh, you know, the, the dream to, to go over to Ascot or to have someone, something that was good enough to be there and, and those sorts of days. And um, I thought it was, I mean, it was just wonderful to, to see what Nature Strip was able to do and, and um, stamp its, you know, authority about the quality of Australian uh, races here and, and what they're able to do uh, on the, the big stage. I might just go back to the footy racing crossover a little bit, Joe, because within footy club, I know you've been outside footy club for quite a while now, but you still know what it's like inside those four walls. And you tend to have NBA fans NFL fans or sometimes just general American sport, you've got your gamers and you've got your racing nuppies as well. Is, is that pretty much how it works with the footy club with their outside interests or is there, is there anything I'm missing there? Oh, golf is another one. A lot of players, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah they, they love their golf. Um, I was never a, a really big golfer and, and I, um, you know, I think I, I enjoy the ownership part of, of racing a lot and, and, um, We've had, you know, with the Essendon affiliation, has obviously been a very successful sheets with uh, with Ballasprey and and um, and what he was able to do there. So, um, I, I think that uh, yeah, there's that you probably knocked it on the head, Rog. They're, they're the the five areas of of interest for, for most players. And you had a a, a a horse called Fighting the Dog with Ben and JD Hayes, and I think um, um yeah, you group with Kaya Hooker and, and Tommy Bell Chambers, but also there was a few others involved there. Zach Merritt from memory. When that horse turned out to be no good, is that when you sacked Zachy Merritt and the rest of them said, no, we're just going to stick that with, uh, with with yourself, Tom and, and Hooksy? Pretty much, yeah. 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 No, the, um, uh, Zachy Merritt was the, the, the instigator between uh, behind fighting the dog and uh, and we gave him one chance and then we, we sacked him. Yeah. Now, if, if, if the Essendon list of 2022 was a horse, now they're, they're not Group 1 standard, they're probably not black type, well, they're definitely not black type standard. Let's say North Melbourne's a 12-start maiden. Where's Essendon sit? Are they a 58 rater? Are they uh, are they edging 64? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Well, I would say at the moment that they've probably won a, a week uh, maiden on a heavy track somewhere in regional Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> They've broken their Donald Duck. 
and there might have only been two or three starters after the scratching. So probably with a, a fair bit of work to do. Outside of horse ownership, Joe, uh, what's keeping you busy at the moment? You had a dalliance with cafes over in New York. Are you still invested over there? Yeah, still still invested over there. Um, so uh, they've been able to grow uh, well um, over the last couple of years. I haven't been back for a few years with, with COVID, but um, starting to expand out of um, New York and, and further down the the, uh, the east coast. Um, I've been working in, in property in, in uh, buyers advocacy and, and, and property management. Um, sort of that's been full time since since I finished uh, footy. So uh, I've got a bit of commentary doing that I'm doing as well. So. Um, I guess uh, a few different things, um, and uh, keep the, which is keeping me busy, and, and two young kids with a third on the way. So, so life is good and busy. Oh, geez, I don't know how you had time to fit us in on the Good Three podcast, mate. That's, um, <laughs> I mean, that, that just shows what a good bloke you are. It, I'm a big NFL fan, and I'd like to get back over to the states at some point uh, to watch it a little bit more live. Can you give me a shift at your cafe just so I can claim it on tax? Mate, we could. Uh, I could get you a visa if you wanted to go over there for a longer period of time. We're we're desperate for um for Australian workers. So if anyone's uh, watching and and is looking for a bit of a um I guess change of lifestyle or an opportunity over the next six or twelve months, we can we can get visas and we've got uh, we've got stores now in Miami and Atlanta and Dallas and, and New York. So you can choose where you want to want to live. Joe, outside of being a, a really passionate. Owner, do you like to have a bet on a the horses that or your horses that are going around and and be outside of that more broadly? Do you enjoy a punt? Not really. No, I, I found out that I wasn't very good at it, so I stopped. <laughs> so. I, I need to stop because uh, I found out I'm not very good at it either. But uh, do, do you punt every? Do, do you have a punt? You know, maybe once a week or not at all? No, not really. No, I uh, I just. Um, I, I sort of I, I used to when I was younger, but um, and then I just I didn't I don't follow it enough to to be any good at it, and and that frustrates me. So I um, I get annoyed about it, and and uh, and so I thought, oh well, I'm better off um, doing it else things with my money. So Matt, I mean, I'd imagine you're about to ask if he wanted to throw in a leg for the good three multi, but well, clearly he wouldn't have done the form, and mind you, he couldn't do any worse than we're going with it at the moment. No, well, that's right. I mean, maybe we could lean on a footy tip or something to throw in. I imagine it probably won't be the Bombers, not that I've looked at uh, the fixture this weekend. But, yeah, you're right, Rog. We couldn't possibly be going any worse. Joe, do you want to throw in a footy tip? And just bear in mind, this account is in our name, so it will not breach the AFL gambling regulations. (laughs) All you're doing is tipping something, and we are then investing on it. Well, yeah, I, I don't think I'm. I think I'm allowed to anyway because I'm not. I don't have any affiliations with uh, with the the clubs. But um, I would think that the I think that the Bulldogs are a, a good chance tonight. The way they're playing, I know Brisbane was stung last week, but um, I think the, the the Bulldogs might be a um, a, a good uh, one to to put in. Well, there you go, Matt. We could be out bloody early and earlier than normal because uh, that is the Thursday night game. And I just want to... You're better, you're better off knowing straight away, aren't you, than waiting Absolutely. Around. And I didn't I didn't word Joe up beforehand. Of course, I'm a Bulldogs man. I love the fact that you're on board. I think there are a chance as well. Uh, but I certainly had nothing to do with that. But there you go, Matt, an outsider to the throne for the good three multi. 
No, I like that. I think we're off to a solid start. I think we've got rid of Paul. We've got rid of Turfy. We're right to go now. I think we're going to hit the uh, multi this weekend. Joe, you've got a, a very busy schedule. Thank you so much for taking the time out to have a chat. Good luck with Anna Visto going forward. Good luck with the uh, the two-year-old that's just landed with Nick Price and Michael Kent Jr. It's been absolute pleasure having a chat. No problem. Thank you for having me. Having a bet on sport this week? Top this. Whether you're into cricket and curling or golf and greyhounds, Top Sport will let you on for plenty. And with literally hundreds of markets from your own backyard to the international stage, Top Sport has you well covered. So if you want to get the top odds every time, bet with Top Sport. Top that. Download the app today. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the game play. You stay in control. Gamble responsibly. An early look. All right, Matty, time now to find a few winners. And usually when Paul says he's got a good feeling, it's, it all goes pear-shaped. Every time Tristan sends through the multi, he says it can't lose and it never wins. Last week after your tips, he goes, I've got a good feeling about today. I think you're going to brain it. Lo and behold, prophetic from Paul, uh, you had an absolute day out. Yeah, well, that's that's... Maybe fair, Rog, but I'll tell you what, there's an old saying, you're only as good as your last tip, and we're focused on this week. We take it one week at a time. That week, last Saturday's history, we've got to look forward. And it's an interesting day at Flemington on Saturday, finals day. I don't have my normal little edge with trial horses because there's not too many horses resuming or debuting on Saturday. A lot of these horses are deeper into their campaigns. But looking forward to it. I have to say, though, I found it a really tricky meeting to find much value. I like to go and try and find those double-figure horses that I think are well over the odds. But at least as as much as I've looked at the card so far, I have to say I'm shooting pretty straight. Well, where are we starting? Uh, Race one, because, uh, you know, that seems like a pretty appropriate place to start. Logical starting point. I think this is one who's trolled up nicely and she is first up in Ilafare. She's had one start for Chris Wallace since coming over from New Zealand. It was back on uh, October 13th. I must have been Caulfield Guineas, though, I assume. Uh, hit the line in the best last six, four and 200 metre splits of the meeting there behind Agreeable. Never a winning hope on that occasion, but it was, the first two in the uh, over the line were right up on speed throughout. She's trialled up really sharply for this. Gate four, Jai McNeil. I don't think she'll be as far back as she was there at Caulfield at her Australian debut. I've got her marked favourite. I think Zoo Sonic should be second favourite as well. So currently um, you've got Mega Mia as favourite. I think it should be Ilafare ahead of Zoo Sonic. So pretty keen Ilafare, maybe a little save on Zoo Sonic there in race one. Now the punters are pretty annoyed with Thrombone last week because they were going Ganti. One out in multis, best bets of the day and the like. But on the short backup this week, or the quick backup this week, and, and you like Thrombone to get it done again. I think he's the horse to beat. He has to be the starting point in the race. He was terrific at Sandown. There's been good subsequent form come out of that. A horse who finished behind him there went to Donald and won impressively. And I speak of Boogie Dancer. He was... Totally and utterly dominant at Caulfield last week at the 1100. I think, if anything, the 1200 metres suits him better. The little trick maybe gate two down the straight, but with these two year olds, they generally like to stick to the inside. 
with the rail back to the true, I, I don't see that inside section of the track down the straight being a negative. So, yeah, I think he's the horse to beat again. If I was to pinpoint a danger, I think it's the Moody runner. And the market's identified this, so I'm certainly not Robinson Crusoe, Rog. But uh, Ch- Chaston was very good at Geelong. Travelled like the winner, 800 from home, and absolutely brained them there. He was heavily backed on that occasion. The form through Michelotti actually stacks up quite well through a, a Bendigo maiden, uh, two starts back for Michelotti. So looks the danger, but I think Thrombone's got a lot of upside, and I've said it a few times on this show, I think I've got a lot of respect for Jerome Hunter, the way he trains, the way he places his horses. And, of course, Zoo Sensation, Troy Corsons, when he was on the show a few weeks ago, uh, thought it would be a good horse moving forward, went out and won on DeBuilt Murray Bridge. So uh, perhaps another one to watch there. Now, the other race you want to look at, Matt, is race three. Is this a case of turf where you've a bit like turf, you've only done the form for the first few races and you're just trying to, uh, you know, sneak one through to the keeper? No, I don't, don't, don't imply that, Rog. Please don't put me in the same bucket as old mate turf. But... Uh, Look, I did. I have drilled down on the first half of the program and had uh, a less in-depth look at the back half of the program. There's one I'll touch on shortly later on, but this is uh, a very even contest, the Revet final. Liberated Girl for mine is the horse to beat. She was, she was super late first up here at Flemington, hit the line strongly. I loved her debut win at Mornington last campaign she was firm in the market first up at the 1400 meters i think she can be more forward draws a good gate on saturday and and i actually think she should be favorite so good value for mine at around five dollars wrote to arataki didn't have the race run the suit last time out gee gate one's a trick for her though because she does like to get back in her races so she might need a little bit of luck bella rouge brings that sydney form down she's got winning form she was able to win here too back at flemington so She's probably the informed horse. They have to, to raise their level too. But I've got a bit of time for Liberated Girl, and I think she can get the job done there on Saturday. Anything later in the program, Matty? Are we just going to oh. stick fat with those three? Because we are playing with house money. At the no, I just want to touch on the uh, the Santa Ana Lane final, race seven, 1,200 metres. I liked Ashford Street at Sandown last time out. That was a 1,000. I think his absolute sweet spot is 1,000 to 1,100. He could be exposed here at 1,200 for mine. They're going to roll along. Sartorial Splendor will ensure a good tempo. I don't necessarily think it's a great setup for Ashford Street. So happy to bet around him at $3.70. Savage to excel right up the top of the weights there, 60 and a half, conceding six and a half kilos to his rivals. But as a group one winner, he's won a Goodwood handicap. He was just fair in this year's Goodwood, but he's had a jump out between runs. I think he has to be the starting point in the race. The other one I, I give a good hope to is serious suspect for Sava San. Doesn't win out of turn, there's no doubt about that, but this looks a beautiful setup for serious suspect. So keen to take on Ashford Street there in the 1,200-metre Santa Ana Lane final race seven. Have something on Sava to excel and, and maybe a little bit smaller on, on serious suspect. Yeah, Savit to excel carries the weight and brings anywhere near his best form. He's going to be very hard to hold out. As mentioned, we're playing with house money. You took Tristan and his uh, bookie cronies to the cleaners last week. And, um, well, let's catch up with Tristan Merlihan from Top Sport. A look from the book presented by Top Sport. Well, Tristan, you set the uh, social media world alight with your comments about the newly introduced point of consumption tax or increased point of consumption tax in New South Wales last week. 
got anything on the soapbox for us this week? <laughs> no, no, nothing on the soapbox. I think we could just re- replay that message every once in a while. But no, it was uh, it was it was well received. I think it's just a case of uh, punters and everyone in the industry just trying to get a different overview of it because I, th- I think everyone's got a different opinion and uh, and I think getting as much information out there as we can is awesome. Well received from the punters, Tristan, but not well received from the people who actually make the decisions, which is the disappointing part. Yeah, to be fair, though, that I have had a couple of calls from a couple of people in different racing bodies that obviously have listened and understand the situations, which I think is a really positive thing. So I think it's just trying to you know, get them to understand perspective because there's a lot of smart people in the industry too. So it's just trying to get your point across for the betterment of the whole industry, I think. That's just showing the power and reach of the Good 3 podcast, Tristan. That's the sponsorship dollars coming to fruition right there. <laughs> Absolutely. I think they were just trying to get the early leg up for the lay of the day and also know which the three legs of the multi were so they can pop them in their lays as well. So I think that might have been also part of the uh, the messaging. The multi got up last week, Tristan, and that was uh, Gavin Beckfield, our guest, uh, did put in no effort to place, and it did place. But I forgot to mention this at the start, Matt. I obviously sit on the sidelines most weeks, and, <laughs> and at the end of the interview with Gavin, he just said, drone strike Monday. And so we're like, you little ripper. Drone strike Monday. He didn't share with the listeners. It saved it for us. We thought, you beauty. Gavin's tried, had four runners this week. Three of them have won. The only one that hasn't, bloody drone strike. <laughs> Unbelievable. Never looked like winning either. Trap deep, granted. Never looked like winning. His other three runners have uh, saluted. So he was a terrific guest last week. He would have felt some pain when no effort was uh, several lengths in front at the top of the straight. Traded a dollar one in play only to get nabbed. Tristan, Queensland Carnival's done and dusted now. We had the Tats Tiara last weekend, or the Group 1's are done and dusted anyway. What was the Carnival like for you guys? Yeah, it, it was it was good. Like I think probably last year the Brisbane Carnival or Queensland Carnival was the best we've seen, and and I don't think we reached the same heights this year. I think there was a variety of reasons. Obviously the the wet weather. Um, I think the combination of wet weather in Sydney earlier on in the in the year probably just meant we maybe didn't get quite the the level of uh, horses that we might have got the year before. So it was still very solid. The turnover was really good in those in those group races, but yeah, probably just a a level below where it was the year before. But, yeah, still pretty solid. We've got a good meeting up there at the Sunny Coast, which is always uh, the Glasshouse and Calandra Cup uh, on the agenda this weekend. So, yeah, still a few races uh, ticking around. We noticed oh, in the... Sorry, you go, Rog. We noticed in the, from a news perspective in the Racing.com newsroom, Tristan, that, um, you know, this is a quiet time of year. It's just struggle to find a yarn. From a, a turnover point of view, where the last group one was run last weekend, the next one is the Memsey Stakes. So we are very much in a quiet time. Do you notice a significant drop off in turnover over this sort of four or five, six week period? Yeah, you do. Like you, you, you certainly, uh, you've got your heights of the carnivals, which is where I suppose it'd be your you're not your pure racing fans like where you've got your for us in particular i think we're a little bit immune from compared to a few of the others where we've got a lot of our professionals and our regular weekly punters that that fire in week in week out and you know they're betting on a monday tuesday these sort of things that are you know that are the more professional based clientele but then you've got your customers that are maybe footy fans or maybe racing fans or maybe cricket fans that will fire up when the when the big names go around so yeah this time of the year you, you lose those sort of customers for a little while so I don't know, we might need to just petition to PBL to get a pop-up race or something to pop up in the other uh, second week of June to, to spice things up a little bit. 
just a six million dollar uh, country horses only race uh, at Gosford or something similar. Oh, all of them, all of them, Matty. Get, get it, get it down near our uh, our office down there, and uh, this increase in PAC surely that, that's got to have some effect there. Well, you would have thought so. Uh, plenty coming back into the kick. Looking ahead to this race, we've got racing at Flemington down here in Victoria. Is there any early market moves that punters should be aware of? Yeah, the market, the Flemington market's been a little bit quiet so far today, uh, this week, to be honest. There's been a little bit of a focus probably on the Sunshine Coast meeting and, and the biggest move of the, the day or, or the lead in that so far is actually a horse called The Move, which is race three, number two. <laughs> Nashra Willer in the saddle. It's been back from 440 into 370. These sort of uh, back end of the carnivals, when you've got those early races, those early moves are normally pretty hard to beat. So I'll be looking at that if you're a punter. Race three, number two, the move at the sunny coast. Now, this is the most important part of the podcast. No doubt about it. You are on an all-time heater here with the lay of the day. I cannot remember the last time the lay actually saluted Grand Slam last week. We mentioned to Kieran, or mentioned that Kieran Maher and David Eustace should probably just scratch the horse and leave him at home. Subsequently, got rolled and uh, never really looked like he was going to be winning. Well, Matty, um, the last time the, the lay of the day did get rolled, it uh, didn't get up. It was Grand Slam. Yeah, it was about it was about six years ago, right? So yeah, it was actually a two year old at the time. We can't get we can't get the multi, but I tell you what, Tristan is certainly doing his job now. This is fantastic this week because we've got a little head-to-head. I gather the lay of the day might actually be the same as the leg of the multi. Yeah, well, we, we've got a – I was tossing up which way I'd go, but uh, with uh, there's a couple options there. But I think uh, with, with Rog sitting in the chair, I think this might be the, uh, the, the one to attack. So – I'm going to go race five, number one, Texas T, which is in the, the Mar and Eustace stable again. So they're not going to be happy. But uh, I just think I think it's a chance, obviously. But I uh, had a big win last start, uh, $26. I just personally, as a bookie, I love laying those runners when they firm up from, uh, you know, big rough winners into, into favourites next start. I just think it's a really competitive race and I think anything could win. Well, as you mentioned that, Tristan is on an all-time heater, which means he's closer to a loss. Uh, <laughs> and he's lost will be my gain and the gain of the good three multi, which hopefully is still alive by the time the race jumps because that would have mean the doggies have won on Thursday night as well. And old Dodgers just in for a big weekend. The, <laughs> only, so, problem yes. the, the only problem with the lay of the day is I wonder if there's any money left in the account to actually put the bloody bet on. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, uh, there's, uh, we've got the uh, the multi rolling up, as you say. So we've got, I, I believe we've got the doggies. Rog, is that right? Is, is that one of the other yeah. legs? Yeah, so Joe Watson, our guest this week, has tipped the Bulldogs to beat the Lions tonight. I obviously am going Texas T, race five, number one uh, for the May Eustace stable. Maddie, what are you throwing in there? Yeah, well, we weren't able to get a uh, Marrakesh dog tip off Turfy, unfortunately, so I'm going to have to go up a step up to the plate. Race three, liberated girl, the place for Peter Moody. I think she looks awfully hard to beat, but I'm going very, very conservative here, getting around even money the place, I think. Yeah, well, I like that one because I also think the the four in the in the race, right to Arataki, is a bit of a risk in that race too. So I think dollar eighty five the place looks to bring Liberated Girl well in, and the price for the multi is eighteen oh six. So geez, if we get the first two legs up, and it comes down to uh, to Flemington race five as the decider, there might be a little bit of banter in our WhatsApp group. I'm tipping uh, come uh, two o'clock on uh, on Saturday, other. 
All right, Tristan. Well, thank you as always for joining us. It's been uh, yet another fascinating chat this week. Hopefully we can celebrate uh, a winning good three multi next week. And gee, I can't wait to uh, have a bit. We'll have to bring Rog back on the podcast no matter what next week, even if Paul does emerge from his COVID den, because we need to settle which way this went on uh, the head-to-head of the lay of the day versus Rogers' leg of the multi there with Texas T. Sounds good to me. Look forward to it. We'll chat to you next week, boys. Having a bet on the racing this week? Top this. With Top Sport's best of the best multis, top odds are guaranteed. Place a best of the best multi during Saturday Metro meetings for the top flux or dividend from the best three national totes. Plus, there's best of the best to win up to five grand too. Top that. Download the app today. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the game play. You stay in control. Gamble responsibly. Well, Rog, that's uh, all we've got time for, but that was probably the best performance from you that we've seen since this podcast started many, many months ago. So, gee, I don't know. It might be a permanent change. Uh, look, I think, I think the boys are right. They're, they're, uh, they're key performers, um, big game players. Uh, I'll just take my, my slot back on the interchange bench where I've done my best work on the, uh, in the footy side of things over the years. Speaking of, you're off to run a marathon on the weekend. I can barely run around the block. Good luck with that. How's how's the tapering going? Well, I probably tapered too much, Matt. Uh, <laughs> five weeks ago, I thought I was in line to run a PB, and then um, illness and injury has um, has left me a couple of runs short. So I'm just going to have to rely on muscle memory, and um, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> I haven't tapered too far back. All right. Well, next week we've got Turfy back. So long as uh, he can make his way back from Marrakesh and he's not too far in debt to some of the local bookies at the dog tracks there. Should have Paul back as well. He, he will hopefully be on the men. We'll have yet another special guest. It was a terrific chat with Joe Watson today. Rog, thank you for your assistance. Enjoy a, a well-earned break. Hopefully you still can make time to step in and produce the show for us next week. That was a good three. Presented by Racing.com and Top Sport.